Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Jason, what's your favorite part about being from Connecticut? Ooh. It's going to be cheesy, but... The Bridgeport Film Fest. Duh. Yes, duh. <laughs> Want to know mine? Sure. It's because I'm from the same town as Chris Caffaro. Oh, no walk in the house. Survival Jobs is a podcast spotlighting artists, their side hustles, and their passions. Hosted by Samantha Tutsalo and Jason A. Coombs. Bam. Hi, Jason. Hello, Samantha Don Tutsalo. Welcome, everyone, to episode 31 of Survival Jobs, a podcast in collaboration with Broadway World. Yes. Oh, my God. We're back again. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Who is your favorite Backstreet Boy? Oh, that's a good question. Mm. Thank you. Probably Brian before he became (gasps) MAGA. Brian was my favorite as well. I know, but now he's like MAGA, so I don't know. (laughs) Yikes. Wait. Was Lance? Is Lance one of them? No, Lance is in sync. <laughs> <laughs> I think I liked the Spice Girls more than like the boy bands as a kid. Really? Like I can tell you anything about the Spice Girls that you want to hear. Who's your favorite one? Oh gosh, you, it was like Baby Spice for so long. Oh. Um, but then as mm. I got older, I was like, oh, it's definitely Posh Spice because <gasps> I have black hair. Posh was my favorite. She was so cool. Yeah. And who was your favorite uh, in sync? Lance in sync member was Lance. I do definitely not Justin Timberlake because come on, overplayed, yeah. right? Mine was JC. No, mine definitely was not JC. I don't know. I, Joey Fatone. I, <laughs> I think maybe it was Lance. I can't remember. Oh. I definitely liked the Backstreet Boys more. I had a Backstreet Boys birthday party. Do you remember? <laughs> this is not funny, but <laughs> but do you remember like TRL? <laughs> And yes, when we were like younger, every day after you were on every day, but there was one episode where there was like f- the four of them. It was like Brian and Howie and Nick, Howie. <laughs> Nick and and Kevin, and they were all on. It was like very serious, right? It was like we have a special announcement, like something happened. And I thought like AJ had died, but he just went to rehab. What? So, oh, but it was so no. dramatic. It was like a very a scary day on. Yeah, it was a very scary day on TRL. Hmm. Jason, a very scary <laughs> day on TRL. And now Carson Daly's like on The Voice. He's killing it. Gotta love Carson. Oh, shout out to Is Carson. he on The Voice? Yeah, Did I like make that host, up? Right? No, yeah, right. but he's also on the Today Show. He is with our girls, uh, Hoda and Jenna. 
Okay, let's talk this out. I know we're like way <laughs> off script. I know. Who's Hoda and who's Jenna? I mean, oh, I think. Well, I don't really watch it that much, but I feel like. Yeah. I watch it every day. You watch it. Every, I watch the view every day. Mostly. Mostly. Yeah. I wish that I was Hoda. No offense to Jenna. <laughs> like, love you, girl. Yeah. But I think you're Hoda. Oh, okay. I'll take that as a compliment because Hoda's. No, good, it's right? totally a compliment. Yeah. I saw Jenna at our old survival job. I was going to say that too. Yeah. I was her server. <laughs> she came a lot. Shout out to Jenna and shout out to yeah. our old survival jobs. Let's talk about that. She, yes, she's from Texas. She and so Texas, she yeah. loved the queso. And so I mm -hmm. planned, somebody from the Today Show was leaving or something and they had the go going away party. Is that oh. what you're talking about? Or you had a separate occasion? A separate. It was like her birthday. She came. And I was like her server, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to fail. <laughs> I was like, why are they doing this to me? <laughs> How'd it go? It was went really well, and she was so she was so nice. She was so, nice. so nice. She's um, so nice. That's why I said yeah. I'm Jenna, because she's so nice. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 you know who else I served at that old survival job? Uh, shout out Javelina Tex-Mex. Robin Robbins. What's her name? Oh, Robin Roberts. Her. Yeah. yeah. I love her, too. She's fierce as fuck. Oh. She sent me a hundred bucks. <laughs> she sent yeah. me a hundred bucks on like a sixty dollar check. Something crazy. I was like, thanks, girl. Yeah, we love that. We do love a nice hundred dollar tip. <laughs> ba, yeah. ba, ba, ba. I finished inventing Anna finally. Thank you for thank you for that. Um, what'd you think? I I was obsessed. I, I am obsessed. I was like Googling everyone after because I didn't want to Google mm -hmm. anything before because I didn't want to get anything spoiled. Mm -hmm. But I was like Googling, I was like sending you pictures of people's real life Instagram, <laughs> sending them to you. <laughs> you were like, wait, who is that? <laughs> I'm like, who is that? What are you sending me? <laughs> I'm like, I, such a, it was so, so interesting. Um, so good. Yeah. So, so good. Yeah. well acted. Also, obviously, Shondaland. Also, oh, shout I, out to our guest, love... which we'll talk about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Shout out to our guest, Chris. But yeah, I mean, I just love it. I mean, Shonda Rhimes can barely can basically do no wrong. I mean, she just has hit after hit, and like I was literally glued. Like the first night, I was watching to get prepared for Chris to come on. I watched seven episodes and like straight through. Mm -hmm. I could not stop, and I finally finished the last two this week. So that was fun. Well, congrats! I know, and we were talking about like uh, if you are a faithful listener, you will know like we are scandal heads. I don't yes. know what they're called. I don't know what the like proper name is called gladiator was, right or no oh are, my gosh. Are the fans called gladiators are they because that just made me so happy <laughs> I think so. that's oh what they're that's what they are on on yeah on the scandal. white hats yeah the white hats except 100. for oh no spoilers but no uh scandal is like so old i don't think i it's know so people should watch it though if you haven't seen it but yeah. i love seeing like scandal alumni and you know like different Cyrus alumni being... Yes. I know. I couldn't help but see Cyrus the whole time. <laughs> I mean, it's Cyrus being for life. And uh, Quinn. Iconic. I love Katie Lowe's. Oh, Shout yeah, out. You do. You I get feel her like arm. that's Come my on, track. Katie. Yeah. I feel like Katie Lowe's is my track. Yeah. So we're going to get her on here because you yeah. love her. Love. Except I was, ugh, I don't want to spoil it, but I I, I liked how her storyline on Inventing Anna ended <laughs> on the witness stand. I, I definitely enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. For sure. <laughs> Were you yeah, rooting so for Anna after? I was rooting for her, kind of. I felt bad because she's a real person who did a horrible I, thing. But 
have like empathy for her for sure because mm -hmm. I she just wanted to I mean she did it totally wrong <laughs> I don't know that I was rooting for her <laughs> because I don't know I think she's a criminal <laughs> uh, <Yeah>. but <laughs> I do think she had dreams and like wanted to be taken seriously and like by the way as an immigrant woman like probably mm -hmm. wouldn't have been taken seriously if she didn't make up all these lies. <laughs> so I think she was tr really trying to find a way and it really was not the right way. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Uh, yeah, you should definitely <laughs> watch the show. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I know you and I were texting. We were like, dang, like we need to get some Anna Delvey in our blood. Like just the confidence of like what? <laughs> like what? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah I exactly. the money is coming. Like, what do you mean? Leave me alone. Like, stupid. Um, <laughs> I know. Like, She's like, for, yeah. I'll wire you. I'm like, oh, I'm going to tell that to everybody. I owe money to. I'll wire you. Yeah. The wire is coming. <laughs> Samantha, My favorite. the wire for the step and repeat is coming. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? It, should, it already left the account. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. My I dad. Love, <laughs> yeah. My father. I, uh, I love the part when she's like, oh, why are you being so dramatic? <laughs> she's like, because oh you like have $250,000 or whatever the amount was. And she's like, oh yeah. my God, you're so dramatic. The why is coming. <laughs> Amazing. Right, that was, that was so a fun good. show. So, so fun. fun. Oh, I wanted to talk about, before we get into Chris, I know it's like a weird transition, right? Um, never. We never are weird. Film Fest. Yes. Going to be here before we know it. It, I know, right? We've been having these meetings. I'm just like, oh my gosh. So I started, for those who are new listeners, I started a film festival in my hometown of Bridgeport, Connecticut uh, last Shout year. Out. Yeah, Connecticut. And we were doing a, a year two of our festival. And we have submissions open until Friday, April 29th for short films. And until May 20th for screenplays and short wow. screenplays. So yeah, I wanted to just you know give a little plug, let people know about it, check it out. How can how can people submit? Oh, go to our website, BridgeportFilmFest.org. That's it. Thank and also, Sam. when are the dates of the actual festival? If you mm -hmm. don't have something to submit, but you'd like to attend, I will yeah. be there. So will Jason. She will. She's going to be on the red carpet, holding That's it down it. like last year. Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> July 22nd through the 24th. It's going to yes. be a good time. It is. I'm yes. Yeah, and, and by the way, you guys, Jason's the most humble person I know. This film festival is amazing. Mm. Like, year one was off the charts. So I'm, I can't Thank even you. wait to see what year two is going to be like if year one was that fierce. <laughs> like a brand new film festival being at that level and that much fierceness. <laughs> so year you. two, I think it's going to be like lit. Yes, thank you. Just thank like you, so you much. lit. Like My us. Guy. That's it. <laughs> That's it. So let's tell everyone about Chris. Speaking of inventing Anna, mm -hmm. um, our Chris, our Chris this week, ha, our guest this week is Chris Caffaro. So funny thing is, we'll, we'll tell the story, I think, in the episode. Um, yeah. Chris is from Connecticut as well, from my hometown yep. of Norwalk. And we went mm -hmm. to different high schools, but I had always known his name. So when inventing Anna came out, it somehow came to my attention that that was Chris Caffaro. And I was like, oh, my God, I've known this guy's name forever. Let me write him to get on this podcast. And then here yes. he is. And this episode that. is so funny. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. We were crying. Crying, literally. Our awesome boy, Chris Caffaro. 
(laughs) (laughs) Even like in the editing process of this episode, I was crying, laughing. Mm -hmm. I was editing it on the Metro North train from Connecticut back to (laughs) New York. Mm -hmm. And the conductor came over to me and she was like, hey, like we're in Grand Central. Are you staying on the train? Oh, because I was so, I didn't even tell you this. I was so focused and I was laughing and I had my headphones in and some, Mm. something in my brain told me we were just stopped in Harlem 125th for like a long period of time. She's like, are you going back to Connecticut? (laughs) I was just laughing at this episode. So anyway, it's a good one. And, and Jason, let's kick it off. Why don't you start telling people about him? People, sure. our listeners, hello. Our wonderful <laughs> listeners. Um, okay, let's our do survivors. it. Yes, survivors. Uh, okay, so Chris is an actor, writer, comedian, and producer based in New York City. He was recently seen as David Morrison, a recurring role on Shonda Rhimes' Netflix show, Inventing Anna. Other credits include The Other Two on HBO Max, Chicago Fire on NBC, Law & Order SVU. Come on, Samantha, your Stop. show. It's Bowl. been coming up a lot. Exactly. <laughs> Bull, The Night of, Billions, As the World Turns, and the awesome 80s bomb <laughs> off-Broadway. Uh, Chris is also a prolific voice actor. In 2022, you can catch him as a series regular on HBO Max's Mecca Builders, an animated series from the Sesame Workshop. He was nominated for an Audi Award as a cast member of Billy Crystal's off-Broadway play, Have a Nice Day. He has appeared in numerous episodes of Radiotopia's acclaimed podcast, The Truth. His numerous commercial voiceover credits include national TV and radio campaigns for McDonald's, Swiffer, Mountain Dew, Dunkin' Donuts, Ford, Staples, Sperry, Amica Insurance, and so many more. Wow. I got Uber Eats from McDonald's at 1 a.m. two nights ago. Spicy Nugs, just saying. Speaking of Mm. McDonald's. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Chris is a founding member member, writer, producer, and performer with the award-winning sketch comedy group Uncle Function. They can currently be seen on the second Friday of each Mm. month at Asylum NYC in Chelsea. He also regularly performs characters in stand-up comedy at venues throughout New York City. Chris was born and raised in Norwalk, Connecticut, and -hmm. has been acting professionally since age 15. He is a graduate of Brian McMahon High School by the way, I went to Norwalk High, just saying. Right. And the George, yeah, kind of, <laughs> kind of, but not. Um, and the George Washington University. He has also studied with Joan Rosenfels, Ted Slobersky, Susan Terry for voice, the Washington Improv Theater, and the Upright Citizens Brigade for mm-hmm. advanced studies. He is a proud member of the Theater Artist Workshop in his hometown of Norwalk. Hey. Nice. There we go. All right. Should enjoy, you guys. Yeah. Enjoy it. Thank you. Chris. Hi, Chris. Hey. <laughs> Welcome to Survival Jobs, a podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so flattered to have been invited. Oh, my oh, gosh. We're we honored to have honored. you. Jason, oh, we're in total unison today, and I'm really happy for us. I know, right? Totally. And it's so weird because I, I was I haven't caught up on Inventing Anna till last night. So I binge watched seven episodes <laughs> oh my gosh. last night. That's why I asked you. I was like, wait, why aren't you blonde? Because so it's so fresh. Yeah. yeah. It's so fresh in your mind. It is. We started filming that in 2019. And then we, we wrapped like January 2021. So it grew wow. out long ago. Oh, yeah. my wow. gosh. Oh, wow. That's so crazy. 
But I do need to share a quick story. So yes. you're from Norwalk, Connecticut, correct? Yes, That's Connecticut. Right. Jason's from Bridgeport. I also mm -hmm. am from Norwalk. So small, big, giant worlds. Yes. But so I was watching Inventing Anna with one of my friends and he goes, Samantha, we went to high school with that kid. And I was like, we absolutely did not. I know everybody we went to high school with. <laughs> and he's like, no, I know this person. Like we went to high school with him. So then after some like stalking and Googling, I was like, oh no, we definitely did not go to high school with him. But I've known your name for 20 years. I keep saying 20. That would make me 11. So not 20, but like 15, <laughs> right. whatever. Because so I did the musicals at Norwalk High. Right. Of and course. sophomore year, we did Carousel, the musical, and somebody made a documentary. And one of the girls was telling a story during like the circle before we did the show. Uh -huh. And someone was like, I she was like, I was talking to one somebody from the band at McMahon. And so he said that our shows are like Broadway. And somebody else yells out in the circle, Chris Cafaro. <laughs> Oh and she God. was like, no, it wasn't Chris Cavero. And then it went on. But I've like watched this documentary on repeat. You know, when you're in high school and you're obsessed. That so your so name funny. in the tone of like Chris Cavero has been in my head for 15 years. So that's amazing. That's here the, we are. That's the closest I've come to being in a musical. So <laughs> we I love just wanted all. to kick it off with that story because that's I think so it's funny. funny. Here we all are on this podcast. So we've already covered that I was not in musicals and I was in marching band. <laughs> Great. Oh, what yeah. instrument did you play? Gone well, I played the trumpet <laughs> for two years and then I was the drum major for two years of the marching band. Oh, that's like a big yeah. deal, Look right? Look at you. It was a big deal. It was a big deal in the community, in the yeah. marching community. Yeah. Um, it was so much fun though. I mean, we really bought all in. We won we won our state championship one year, my junior year, which was so exciting. You beat Norwalk High? We were in different divisions. Norwalk, so Norwalk High was better at everything, right? <laughs> I mean, truly, you guys had your your Broadway musicals. I would say that. I know I didn't say that. <laughs> that quote that quote was wrongly attributed to me, but I would say that because you yeah. guys had these like they tens of thousands of dollars and we we had we didn't have a drama program at McMahon, the other high That's school. That's so sad. Yeah. yeah. Well, so they do now. They do now. We I we actually built it when I was there. Um, these four mothers, we call them the drama mamas. They started it, That's and it's love that. And it started as a drama club, you know, where we just sort of met and like messed around and played like little acting games and stuff. And then, um, then we started doing productions. And then by the end of my senior year, we did a full like main stage production of a play. That's wow. huge. It, it is huge, and you know, it's funny because. It was, we always, I always saw it as like a burden at first, but in retrospect, it was such a blessing because one had, had we had the program that they had at Norwalk High with like the musicals, I never would have gotten involved because I don't sing. So the fact that we didn't have that actually encouraged me to get involved a and B, it was a reminder that has served me throughout my career, which is you got to build it yourself. If it's not there, you got to do it on your own. And Damn, are you it, preaching five minutes in? I love it. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. but, but it's true. It's like, you know, you can sit, you can sit on your couch and complain that, that it's not there, or you mm -hmm. can, you can Do put it. in the work and with some help. I mean, it was, it was really the sacrifice of those four women who, you know, gave so much of their time and resources right. and energy and talent to give us an outlet, which was just the most amazing thing in retrospect. But yeah, I mean, 
that's the that was such a huge lesson to learn that has served me very well. I'd I'd like to think. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, I we got our history out of the way, so should we jump into <laughs> uh, a survival job? Let's let's do it. Let's jump in. So can you can so you obviously have great success with the show you're on currently streaming on Netflix. Shout out Inventing Anna. Please go watch it. And we'll talk about that, obviously, as we get into the interview. But do you have a story from a survival job that has positively impacted where you are at now in your career? So most of my survival jobs were in restaurants, you know, the restaurant industry, as many of your guests have talked about in the past, Next of year. course. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so when I first moved to New York in 2011, I worked at a place called E&E &E Grill House, which was on 49th between Broadway and 8th, right next to the Ambassador where Chicago is. I yes. The Ambassador. And right across from Book of Mormon. And so while I was, I'm not a Broadway a musical guy, I love Broadway and I love musicals. And so being in the community, even as a server, all the performers would come in and, you know, the writers and the creatives. And so even though you were doing your survival, survival job, you felt like you were in the community, you were involved, you know, like uh, Gavin Creel knew my name uh, when we were like, I, because I served him all the time and we were in Central Park and he was like, Hey, Chris. And I was Aww. like, hey. Like, <laughs> you're like, cool. hey, Gavin Creel, what's up? Yeah, yeah. And and so just being around it was inspiring, you know, because you got to see people living their dream and scratching and clawing and and it was inspirational. And actually, funny story, uh, there was a, a young man who was in the ensemble of Book of Mormon who used to come into our bar all the time. And he, you know, he would talk about how he had much bigger aspirations and he wanted to be a writer and he wanted to produce his own play and create opportunities for other performers. And, you know, he was always hustling, always hustling. And sure enough, you've had him on your podcast, Douglas Lyons, fellow Connecticut boy. Yeah. Yes. Douglas <laughs> is now a produced Broadway writer. And Crazy. I just mm -hmm. got chills from that. Story. Yeah. I mean, and it, I sent him a note when it, when it was all announced because it's just it was really incredible to see the whole process from him like you know head down in a drink like you know what I think I want more than what I'm doing, and just putting in the work day in and day out, and then it like to see it come to life is really really incredible. And he's such a great guy. He's great. Yeah, That's I sweet. love stories like that. Yeah. No. I got chills. <laughs> we always say that. <laughs> we do. We're such suckers for like a good, like full circle inspirational full circle. moment. Yeah. We, lo we love a full circle. We love but yeah, I think working in the restaurants in general, it's so funny because when you're doing it, you hate it and it's miserable. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I look back on it fondly and I'm reluctant to talk about it in the past tense because Lord knows it could be never in, my, in my future again. And, yeah. and if that's the case, so be it. Um, but but yeah, I mean, the, the relationships you make, and I, I think back about like the other uh, coworkers who would like pick up shifts or sacrifice or cover your tables so that you could go, you know, chase your dream. I mean, yeah. it's really an incredible gift that you don't really realize at the time. Right. Or at least I didn't. Well, yeah, same. I love how you put a positive spin on that too. That's like really cool. And I guess because you're at that level where you can look back and be like, oh, maybe it wasn't so bad. I mean, look, if you want me to talk some shit and spill some tea, <laughs> I could go for days. Well, here we go. What was the worst one? <laughs> Pot, let's drop it. 
Flip and reverse it like Missy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think whenever you're doing something that's not what your passion is or what you want to be doing, it's miserable, right? Like you, like those are the tough moments. Um, I, I think like, I never had like a terrible job, but I had tough moments. I think like, you know, being at work on Thanksgivings and Christmas Eves, it takes a piece of your heart in, in a way uh, to be away from family and to miss moments and to live paycheck to paycheck while your friends are like, let's get together. Let's go to spring break. Let's, and you're, and you're like, I can't, I can't do it. Those are the tough moments, but yeah, I've been pretty lucky. I, I will say like, I've picked up my last survival job to date um, was in 2018. The restaurant closed, unfortunately. Oh, and wow. I know sad. And so I got a job with this company called One Fine Stay, which is basically like an upscale uh, Airbnb. So okay. like it, it's like luxury apartments in New York City that you could book through this company called One Fine Stay. And I was a concierge. So basically I would meet the guests at the location, give them the key. But before they got there, I would like walk through, make sure it was all set up. All the lights were on. Everything was nice and nice. Um, and that was a miserable job because it's all the bad parts of working in a hotel without yeah. any of the structure or any of the camaraderie. And so you would have to, you would have to go to their, to their headquarters, which was on 11th Avenue and 23rd street. Oh, 11th oh. already. It just sucks. Like the, so far Little. from any train. Yeah. And so you'd have to go there, pick up the keys and then go to the location. Which so, is probably like all over the city. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, you know, in Soho or in like Brooklyn Heights. And then you'd walk into these gorgeous apartments. So that was a cool part of it. But then you would make, you were making minimum wage and they would, they would always say, well, like the people will tip you, you know, you help them with their bags. When they get there, they'll tip you. No one. I never received a <laughs> single tip. Never Not a one? single tip. No, zero tips ever. Terrible. Yeah, there's one family of five, and I carried all of their bags up like a four-story walk-up, like townhouse. Nothing, nothing. That's crazy to me. Like when people are visiting the city and they don't tip. Like where do you, yeah. where do you think you are? Yeah. So you went through all <laughs> of these survival jobs because you had this passion and this need to act and perform. Do you re do you remember your first moment when you were like, I have to perform. This is what I want to do. And can you share it? Yeah. Oh, boy. I I remember, you know, growing up, I was I was undersized. I was small. I was I was sort of awkward. You know, I mean, I weighed in junior year of high school. I was under a hundred pounds. I was like four foot and 10. I was <laughs> tiny, tiny, yeah. tiny. So, and that was the case my whole life. So I had to develop a sort of, you know, defense mechanism, which was comedy and my wit. And, and so I was always sort of performing and it was always a way to get out of trouble, especially at home because my dad has a great sense of humor. Both my parents do. But when my dad would get angry, if I could make him laugh, by performing or making a joke, I was like off the hook because I knew he'd, he'd still be angry, but he, it was the he'd best. He'd calm down, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I remember we went to see, uh, there, there's two moments that stick out in my mind and they're both kind of cheesy. But the first was watching Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls. Yes. And Jim I just, Carrey. 
Jim Carrey. And I just remember just being in awe of this buffoon who was, I was like, this guy's a genius. And, and you, I didn't know you were allowed to do that. And like, that's his job. And then he made millions of dollars doing it. And I was just like, I want to do that. I want to do what this guy's doing. Um, and that was like a big seminal moment for me. And then I saw the original cast of the producers on Broadway. Oh, Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick. Yes. Amazing. Wow. And they were great. But the moment that sticks out the most for me was Roger Bart played the assistant to the director. I forget his character's name, but there's a moment where he like someone offends him and he gets hurt and then he exits stage silently. But he, he took like two and a half minutes to do it and the place went nuts. And it was just the funniest thing I've, I've ever seen. And he didn't do anything. He just like slowly walked. And I just remember being like, you're allowed to do that. That's, that's so incredible. I want to do that. It's so funny how those moments like really stick in your head. Like, oh my god, these are like they're not aha moments, but they're like so like important to you in your development as yeah. an artist. Wow! So you've been cast in such huge projects. I was looking at your IMDb. Uh, as the world turns, the mm -hmm. night of, which is like one of my favorite series, limited series, Billions, yeah. Bull, and of course, Inventing Anna. Mm -hmm. uh, do, do you remember your first like, oh my god, this is huge like audition? And how did it go? Like, how did you get that audition? Yeah, I mean, my first huge audition, I did not book. That, I'm sure that happens. Yeah. <laughs> and like, who does? Like, nobody. Nobody yeah, I does. <laughs> I know how rare that is. But I, I do remember that specifically because it was at, I don't want to name names, but it was at a big casting office on 43rd Street. <laughs> and I was 15 years old because I sort of started in high school. I started auditioning professionally oh yes and, and i got my very first headshot and it was i had printed on it christopher l Cafero, like my full name and initial just because i what well, i didn't know and i i'll never forget sitting there waiting to go in for this movie like this studio film and the casting associate who whoever i don't know who it was but he came out and he clearly was not happy to be there and he he was like, next. And he grabbed my headshot and he goes, Christopher L. Cafero. Oh, good. So we won't confuse you with all the other Christopher Caferos. <laughs> the and casting director said that? Yes, to my face, to a, to a, <laughs> to a child, to yeah, a 15 year old child. <laughs> wow. And I just remember that's like so good. getting off the giant ottoman in the middle of this room and like walking into the audition room, just being like, what? Have I offended him? Like, am I an idiot? Just, you know, and you wish that would happen now because I would have a very different response to that man. But like, what a sad person. You're going to be like a bitch to a teenager. To a teenager. Come on, man. Come yeah, on. I have, I have my little, middle initial to my name and I'm, I'm not like worried about confusing. I just like it. I yeah. have my entire <laughs> middle name. I, my equity name is Samantha Dawn Tutsalo because <laughs> I just wanted it to be. It's my name. That good for you, and it should be your name, you and know. no, and no one should make fun of it. Exactly. Thank you so much for the support, Christopher Alcaparro. Thank you so much. You know what? We love that L. <laughs> we, we love the L. The um, L. The L is a W in our book. Yes. There you go. The uh, do you have any advice for young actors booking their first job on a set? 
I didn't ask that correctly. Like if an actor is going to a professional (laughs) set, I slept for a little bit of hours. If an actor is going to a professional set for the first time, do you have Uh any advice on sort of like how to navigate that? Because it's a very intimidating moment. It is very intimidating. I think my first piece of advice is, and you know, people sort of poo poo extra work and background work. Yep. And, and I understand, you know, it's, it's not glamorous, but I did some early background and extra work and I'm so glad I did because it takes a little bit of the mystery out of it. So, you know, you're on set, you're seeing what's happening and you're getting a sense of like what's going on. And so it's not a dream job, but I would highly recommend, especially if you're a young actor, try to do it or in turn be a PA or something. So you're the first time you're on set isn't when you're performing. That would be my first piece of advice. But the other piece of advice is just be within yourself and show up assuming that you will get zero instruction. Like the director will not direct you. That's so true, yeah. The producers will not talk to you. You come with your choices made, with conviction in what you've done, knowing that what you did in the audition was enough and be ready to be on your own and, and take notes. But like, no one will pay attention to you. That's which so is, true. <laughs> especially if you're, a, if you're a co-star or a day player, like you're expected to, I mean, you're, you're jumping into a roaring river and it, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a well-oiled machine. You have to jump in and jump out. They don't want to, they don't want to talk to you. They don't want to deal with you. You got to know your lines, do your part and get out because they have to, you know, they have they to keep moving. To go. Yeah. yeah. And I don't, I don't want to sound like, you know, negative or, uh, about sets. I, I've had a lot of really wonderful experiences on sets, sure. but if you set the bar low and just focus on yourself and your job and what you can control, uh, that's what you got to do. And, and you sort of got to make that switch between like, this is my dream and art and passion. And you got to be like, okay, I booked it. Now it's work. And I, I got to know that I'm, I'm walking onto a professional set. It's a job and you can still have the artistry as part of it, of course, but you know, there's a lot going on. Yeah. Like save your moment of like, oh my God, I booked this gig until after it's done. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the focus in, in the moment. We talk about the background work a lot on this podcast because Jason and I both did background work. Am I lying, Jay? Or you just did no, PA I work? No, I did background yeah. work too. Yeah. Yeah. And so we talk about that a lot about those experiences and how they really have informed, you know, the way we work now mm-hmm. when we book gigs on professional sets that I'm manifesting. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I remember my first, but my first background role, I think I told this on the podcast, but like they were, it was actually Christopher Warp, was it Patrick Warburton? Right. That's his name from, yeah. Um, yeah. He was doing a scene and, and he was talking so low and it was like a bar scene. I was like, I can't hear him. He's a professional actor. He's supposed to be using his, he's supposed to be projecting. Little did my dumbass know, like, obviously he has a mic on. Like, you, so you like right. learn little, little things like that where, like, he doesn't need to project. <laughs> he has a fucking mic. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember my very first time on set was like pretty shocking in how little they cared for me. It was, uh, <laughs> it was, it was for As the World Turns, and we were shooting at a studio in Brooklyn, and I showed up. And like, there was just a security guard and he was like, okay, go to your room, you know? And he told me the room and I went and I sat in my room for four hours. Nobody <laughs> came to see, not a PA, not a producer. Nobody came to see me. 
I was just sitting there. And finally it was like 1230 and over the speaker, they're like, okay, that's lunch. And I was like, (laughs) like, okay. You're like, what? (laughs) So I'm like, I'm wandering the halls of this studio. There's nobody there. I go to the security guard and I was like, Hey, you know, is there somewhere I can get lunch? Like, are they serving lunch? And he was like, no, but there's a deli across the street. Wait, what? Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. So I go across the street, I'm in line ordering a sandwich and my phone rings and it's an unknown number. And I pick it up and I'm like, hello. And they're like, Chris, this is the producer for as world turns. Where are you? And I was like, I'm getting lunch across the street. And they were like, well, you're, you're due on set in five minutes. And I was like, (gasps) I was like, due on set. I was like, I have, I don't have wardrobe. I haven't gone through makeup. Nobody's spoken to me. And they were all very angry with me. And I was like, they were like, why didn't you say anything? I was like, there was no one to say anything to. I, I, what, like, this is so terrible. Yeah. I, I was 18 years old. I didn't know what was happening. So I didn't even get my sandwich. I run back. I'm like in my room and like a producer comes up and was like, okay, we got to move. And I'm like, okay. And then everyone was like really upset with me. And it was very unsettling. It got better. I, I did six episodes of that show and it's and so it traumatizing. Got better. But yeah, it was, and it was like a real lesson again of like, you have to make your presence known. You can't be afraid to ask for help. You can't be afraid to ask, you know, like if you, if you think something's going on, like speak up respectfully, but be like, Hey, this doesn't feel right. I've been ignored for four hours in a, in a dressing room. Yeah. I'm so mad that they were angry with you. Like, where's the PA? I know. Like, where's you know the first I mean? the first team PA? Where is yeah. like an AD? Anyone. Like, <laughs> but by the way, that show is like running for a long time. No, as the world turns. Yeah, I mean, wrong. it was it was in year seventy at the time. They're gone now. <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah, it was just like so long that they were just over it. They're just yeah. expecting everyone to like. <laughs> First of all, where's craft services? Go to the deli across the street. <laughs> also gave me a real big shock. I know. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Wow. Now, now you're on a much uh, a show that works much better, I'm sure, behind the scenes. <laughs> yes. You were uh, in multiple episodes of Inventing Anna, recurring as David Morrison. But what's been your favorite part of being on the show and, I guess, part of the Shondaland family? Because Samantha and I love Shonda Rhimes. We, like... Uh, we love Scando and how to get murder. Like, so that's like, yeah. a, that would be like a dream for us to be part of like her empire. You're living. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's uh it's been a bit of a roller coaster, quite honestly, because I, I think I mentioned we started filming in tw- end of 2019. And so, and it's just came wow. out in February. So mm-hmm. two over two years in between. But I mean, first and foremost, what a thrill to work with uh, Aunt Shonda Rhimes' show. I'd never actually met her or worked with her. She wasn't on set when I was there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when I auditioned, I I auditioned and then I got an email from my uh, from casting that was like, hey, Shonda really loves you, but wants to know if you'll go blonde. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah shave it burn it whatever yeah whatever she wants to do um, yeah shonda yeah. says it and you gotta jump shonda yeah. really loves you the number yeah. one yeah okay thank you whatever comes after that sentence doesn't matter it's like yeah, oh, yeah. Sure, you're sure. like yes ma'am whatever we'll you need. but yeah the experience was really great the the set was extremely professional i mean there's also like 
there's there's a direct correlation between budget size and how smoothly a set runs you know and (laughs) they they were not short on the budget size as i'm sure they they gave you lunch i'm sure they They gave you lunch you weren't yeah no they they provided they provided they had actually i had a pa assigned to me on set like that's it's very it's very very awkward i I felt so uncomfortable (laughs) I'm so like, that's fun. You're like, awkward. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's fun in theory, but then after two seconds, you're like, oh, I'm okay. You don't have to get me stuff. I, I can do it. Yeah. Start, you know, but listen, got to let them do their job too so they can get paid. Totally. But yeah, it was it was so great. And then we got, you know, we started filming November. Um, the whole cast was great. I mostly worked with Julia Garner. Yes. Who, um, Star. Who she, she is. And not only is she a, a phenomenal actress, but she is a, a leader on set. And when you're number one on the call sheet, that is just as important because you're setting the tone for, you know, those day players that we were talking about that come in and, and you keep the machine moving. And um, she did a great job. And like one of the first, t- first scenes we shot together, I was having a really rough go of it. I was just, I wasn't feeling well. This was pre COVID. So it was, I didn't have COVID. They uh, on the show, they're, they're really strict about, the lines like you have to read them uh, deliver them as written so if it's like that is not true and you say that's not true cut start again it's that is not true wow so so okay and i was just having i was having a tough go of it and um you know i was getting you know the script supervisor was like no yeah chris you gotta get it right gotta get it right and so i was like having a moment oh God, that's she, so much pressure oh uh, so Oof. stressful and i was like really not feeling well and she like put her hand on my knee and was like, Hey, you're doing great. You're a great actor. Like take a breath. It was like a very human moment that really, that really stuck with me. And I was very grateful for her. That's really sweet. Cause it could always go the other way. And I've had and those it- sto- stories too. So wow. totally. Yeah. But yeah, no, she was great. And then, and then it shut down COVID, you know, March, I was supposed to shoot the day that everything shut down. And so wow. instead instead of getting the call sheet in the email, I got a a letter that my contract was being terminated. And what? And terminated. Like, yeah, they they, they didn't did like go on pause. No, they did a force majeure. So they terminated mm. all the, all the things, and uh, and it was like, oh, well, that's you know, I mean, there was so much scary stuff happening at that time. We didn't know, and I just assumed like that's it. It's never going to see the light of day. And then September, we got an email like, hey, we're starting back up, like checking your dates. And it was just so great. And they were one of the first productions back. And so one of the things I'm most grateful for is all of the sacrifices and hard work that the producers and the crew and everybody put in to bring us back and to make to put us back to work. And it was it was very emotional that first day back because. You had to show up, you had to get tested, you had to wear full PPE, everyone was secluded, and then you get on set, everyone's wearing masks and shields and glasses, and it was so stifling and, and scary and exciting, and um, and especially the crew had to work twice as hard to get it. So I'm just very grateful to everybody that, that they made it happen. That was very special. And then it came out, it came out in February, and so, yeah, so it's been cool, and you know now it's... It's it's interesting because because it happened so long ago 
I've already dealt with the excitement and the joy. And, <laughs> and so now it's like looking ahead, you know, to For the next sure. thing while also trying to enjoy the moment of, of enjoying the fruits of your labor, you know? Of course. Congratulations. Yeah, congrats. Thank That's you. awesome. I mean, yeah. the show is great. You're great in it. And actually, if you'll indulge me, one of my favorite mm -hmm. stories is about how I got the part. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. So I was doing, I was cast in a movie uh, being directed and written by Billy Crystal in November 20, 2019. Amazing. And yeah, and I had worked with Billy on an off-Broadway show the year prior. And so I auditioned for a Okay, bit wait. You're on a first name basis? I see you. I see you, Chris <laughs> L. <laughs> it's Christopher Chris L. Alcabero. Christopher L. <laughs> I see You're you, right. Chris L. I had worked with Mr. Crystal uh, at, uh, in 2018. And so I auditioned <laughs> for this movie. And I auditioned for a larger role. And I didn't get it. And actually, one of my comedy partners and good friends, John Marco, booked the role that I went in for. Wow. So that was a little bit of an, you know, an ego hit. But they, yeah, but at least it went to someone like nice that you know. Right. But, but they you're gave, still like Yeah, I was like, yes, have <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he knows, he knows. I'm so happy. We did a great job. Uh, but they they like threw me a bone and gave me a, a like a couple of lines as a, a smaller character, which I'm again extremely grateful for because Billy Crystal does not owe me anything. Yeah. And so we were on set and it's sort of like the movie within the movie. It's like, there's a Saturday night live type show. And my buddy, John Marco was playing one of the cast members of the Saturday night live type show. And I, I played the warm up comic. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So we were shooting it all together and we shot all of his stuff first. So I had to stand there on set and watch my friend do the part that I wanted to do and kill it. And he was so funny <laughs> and, and he got to do an impression, which, you know, I do impressions. So I was like, so jealous and so excited for him. You're like, damn and, him. <laughs> yeah. So we break for lunch and during lunch, one of the other cast members was sitting with me and he was like, Hey, Chris, you do impressions. Can you do a Billy McFarlane impression? And I was like, oh yeah, that's easy. Like all you do is you sort of like stick out your jaw and you sort of talk staccato and you sort of like talk like this. <laughs> and like you go and you just say stuff like fire and elite and like that's fire. So yeah. Wow. And so that's so good. And so and he was like You have to do the rest of the interview like that. Yeah. Right okay. now. So, okay. <laughs> so he was like, Oh my god, that was really good. You should audition for this. It's this text your manager. It's a role called it's a role of Billy McFarlane in the show called Inventing Anna. And I was like, I will do that. <laughs> Thank you so and much. I will. <laughs> so, so lunch ends, we go back to work and we're there for another five, six, seven hours. And we haven't done my scene yet. And it's getting late. And I'm looking at the clock. And finally a PA comes in and was like, uh, Chris. And I was like, yeah. She was like, so you're wrapped for today. And I was like, Oh, uh, we haven't shot my stuff yet. And she was like, you're wrapped for today. And I was like, okay. So I got cut from this movie in front of Yikes. like, in front of my friend. No. And I was, it was tough. It was tough to swallow. Like, I totally understand. They made the right choice from a production standpoint. Right. And like, as it got in the day, I was like, we're not going to get to my thing. And if I were a director, I'd be like, cut it. We're moving on. 
So, so I was like, just really heartbroken. I really was heartbroken. But oh, I'm sorry. Uh, so I went home. Never, never ended up shooting my scene. But I texted my manager on the way home, and I was like, "Hey, you know, the role of Billy McFarlane in this show. Could you look into it?" And they wrote me back, and they were like, "Hey, we asked casting. They don't think you're right for that, but they're going to bring you in for another role." Yes. And, and so once again, it was a, a reminder that you know, out of all these bad situations, can so- uh, something good could come because if I was never on that set, I never would have heard right. about this project. I might not have asked, and I probably wouldn't have gotten the audition. So that that heartbreak, that little heartbreak, ended up being a really great uh, positive thing. I love that story. Yeah, so, for a couple of reasons. For like, okay, this sucked. You were so sad, but look, now you like booked this amazing role in this like hit show. A yeah. B. And Jason and I talk about this a lot too. Is sometimes you just have to ask, "Hey, I want to yeah. audition for this." Like, what if you were like scared? Like, that's something that I think we're exploring a lot too when we're speaking to guests. Is like confidence and like knowing your product. And a lot of times, your product is yourself. Uh, and like saying, "Hey, I wanted to go in for this," mm-hmm. instead of waiting for the things to come your way. So fierce, I love that. Yes. I mean, I feel bad for that PA having to break that news to you. Like, <laughs> that how, sucks. <laughs> like, to be the one to, be, to tell you this, like, because I mean, obviously they know how sad you were. Yeah. Like, to hear that, it's horrible, too. It's like a double, it's double sadness all around. Yeah. Double sadness. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm happy that you got this other huge yes, opportunity. It worked out. And I, look, I got it paid for the day. Definitely worked out. I got and paid yeah. for that day. I got yes. lunch. Yeah, and we know that you know getting lunch is a big deal. You don't always get lunch. Stories. You, you don't have to go to the deli across the street. You have to waste your own money. I want to transition, uh, if you will, and talk a little bit about Uncle Function. Yes, your award-winning yes. sketch comedy group. Congratulations <laughs> on that. Can you talk a little bit about why creating your own work is so important to you? Yeah, if it I- is. <laughs> it's it's not. Thanks. Have a great night. Bye. I hate it. Bye. Um, Wait, because Chris, you're the producer, writer, and you perform in it, right? Yeah. 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 Well, there there are. Thanks, um, Jay. I love that part <laughs> out. Sorry. No, that's okay. There's six of us. We just we, there were five of us. Now there's six. We just added a, a brand new member for this new month, which we're very excited about. Um, but we've been we're celebrating our seventh anniversary on April 8th, which is crazy, crazy, crazy. It was born out of that frustration of, you know, we, we want to be doing more, you know, cause anyone can sit on their couch and be like, SNL is not funny anymore. And it's like, all right, (laughs) all right, then you do it. Then you do it. Like, what are you doing? Which is a question. I, that's like a question I always ask myself is like, what are you doing? What are you doing right now? Do, you know, because if, if you can't answer that question, then you got work to do. Because there's always something you could be doing. There's just something you learn in the restaurants. There's always something. You always be walking around with a pitcher of water. Someone's always thirsty. Somebody's table always needs to be crumbed. That's right. So <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> I had been involved in an off-Broadway show called The Awesome 80s Prom, which I'm not sure if you've heard of. It was an interactive uh, yes. show at Webster Hall. I always wanted to go to it. I never did. Did you? Though. Yeah. It sounds so fun. It is fun. It's like an interactive uh, off-Broadway show where the, the audience shows up like they're going to their prom in 1989. 
and, oh, that's fun. and then the actors play like the stereotypical John Hughes characters, like the jock and the cheerleader and the nerd and, you know, the tough guy. And, you know, it's like Breakfast Club on stage. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so the producer of that was a man named uh, Ken Davenport, who's a Broadway producer. And so a bunch of us had worked with Ken in the past and he had just purchased a theater in Midtown. And he approached some of us and was like, hey, listen, I want to bring some comedy to the theater, I'll give you free rehearsal space. We'll split the door. You guys, you know, just do whatever you want. My buddy, Alex Fast, who started the whole thing, put us together and we started writing and producing and um, we had some bumps in the road. You know, it didn't last with Ken, unfortunately. And so then we moved to the People's Improv Theater and then we oh, rented the our- pit. Yeah, the pit. I know. And then we rented our own space and then- uh, then we start, started to build something cool, and then UCB approached us and was like, "Hey, we want to, we want you on our main stage," which was very rare for an independent group. Like that doesn't really That's happen. That's huge, yeah. And that was January 2020. <laughs> and so, oh, gee, Louise, so we had we, <laughs> we had two shows. They were sold out. Two hundred plus people. Chloe Feynman from SNL was a guest. John Early from Search Party was a guest. Wow. And then, you know, you know the rest. And so we, <laughs> sh we shut down for a while, but we reopened at Asylum Theater, which is in Chelsea at the old UCB space under the Gristides on 26th and 8th. And we, we, we started there in May 2021. We were, we were some of the first live performances back after the pandemic, which is wow, a, a big point of pride for, for me and for us. So yeah. and we were there monthly and we just started a secondary show. I'm giving you a history. I'm not answering your question. But no, so that's we a, love it. That's we need brief, the history. Yeah, that's a brief history. But it was born out of this feeling of like, you know, we're frustrated. We weren't in the cool crowd at UCB. We weren't on those house teams. So we were like, what are we doing? Let's do it ourselves. And we got the opportunity, which was great. And it has, it has really been a lifesaver for me because it's a creative outlet. And it fills in the gaps between jobs. and. And one of the lessons I've learned uh, as we talk about survival jobs is, you know, you're at your survival job and you're like, I just want to be doing what I'm doing. I want to just yeah. act. I want to perform. But the truth of the matter is even the most successful people who are performing and doing it for a living have huge swaths of time on their hands in between projects and they have downtimes. And so it's about filling in the rest with life, you know, with your loved ones and your friends and your family and then your creative outlets that you can control. Uncle Function gave me that creative outlet. It's given me, it's allowed me to find my voice comedically and professionally. And it's given me an opportunity to learn so much about the producing and the business side of, uh, of, of things, which I'm hoping will serve me continuously down the road. So it's just been the best. And, and I get to be funny with, well, I think we're funny, but I get to perform, <laughs> I get to perform with some of my best friends every month and that's uh, amazing and so it's pretty cool yeah love that so you talked about working with all these awesome awesome people and having these wonderful opportunities creating your own opportunities is there like a dream job that christopher l cafero wants <laughs> or a dream person you want to work with a dream person i mean i here's a saccharine answer so the day the day that inventing anna came out uh february 11th was very cool but i also had an uncle function show and it was our first one of the new year our christmas show was canceled because of covid so we hadn't performed in a while and we sold out 150 people at this theater 
And I remember the morning I was getting all these texts and, and congratulations about inventing Anna. And it was so cool. But then like about 10 minutes before showtime at uncle function, I was standing in the tech booth looking out and the pride and excitement I felt in that moment was so much greater than the pride and excitement I felt about this huge Netflix show. And, and that's not to disparage the Netflix show. Like, please have me back. But it was this moment of like, wow, uh, we built this and I get to perform with my friends. And so being able to perform with your friends is, is really kind of special, especially performing your own thing and building your own thing. But also Martin Scorsese. <laughs> and that was so yeah. good yeah love that. you're like uh, i already work with my dream yeah. people but, but. actually <laughs> paul, paul thomas anderson um just cool directors and then my brother my younger brother nick is an actor oh, and cool. he's out in la nick cafaro look him up and he shout out to nick shout out to nick and that would be a dream obviously to be able to work alongside him professionally that would be really cool oh that would be so cool yeah so, Chris, you have done, you know, a variety of artistic things from your sketch show to being on network television, film, stage. Do you have your favorites, a favorite part of being an entertainer? Oh, boy. I mean, yeah, the, my favorite part of being an entertainer is is getting a laugh on stage, live on stage. Being in front of an audience, the communal yeah. aspect of it, there's just nothing, nothing compares to it. And I love, I love doing film and TV, but I think most people will tell you a lot of it's boring. And, yeah. And there's nothing like, you know, being in the theater, rehearsing with your, your castmates, and then the energy you get from a live audience. That's got to mm -hmm. be the best part. Yeah. Um, and, you know, having people tell you that, you know, you're bringing them joy in, in a small way. I know it sounds trite, but it, it really is really special to like have that moment, even if it's fleeting in this world of chaos and mm -hmm. ha hatred and pain to have like, For real. You know, to be able to help provide levity or give people an escape. It's important. And it's, it's really a privilege to be able to do it. 100%. I love that. Yeah. That's nice. We had a guest on recently who said um, that she loves TV film, but she loves, loves theater, similar to exactly what you just said, but you need the mm. TV film to fund the theater hobby. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because there's the money. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they say, if you want to get rich, do TV. If you want to get famous, do movies. If you want to get good, do theater. That's yeah. That's a, yeah. Hundred. Um, so just try to do it all. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's so all much, you're doing. So there's so much time in a day. It's so easy. So easy. Do it. Yeah, it's so easy. Just be in a movie. How hard is that? Yeah, right. Come on. Uh, we recently had a guest on the show that said if all their artistic success went away, not that they wanted to, but if it did, they could go back to waiting tables and be relatively happy. Is there a survival job that you feel this way about or you ever worked in that you would be like, okay, I guess like I can go back to that if I have to? You know. I haven't really thought of that. I'm trying to like, <laughs> you know, who's that explorer who, when they got there, he burned the boats so that the uh, the, <laughs> the soldiers couldn't go back. It was like Cortez or something. Like, oh got, shit, yeah. Got yeah. Like I mean, if it were, I, I I would certainly go back to the restaurants 
to to continue my career. Actually, if you'll indulge me one more time for a funny funny survival job story. We always love to bring it back to survival jobs. So I'm just remembering this. When uh, we were at the Awesome 80s prom and there was this young woman who was a huge fan of the show and she would come every week. It was a once a week show. Oh, jeez. She was like, (laughs) she was 15 years old and she would come and she was, God bless her. She was very sweet. And her mother would be there and her friends would be there and they would always like, you know, want to take pictures. And, and it was like, yeah, of course, like, that's what we're here for. Like, you know, she was harmless. We got an email a few weeks later that was like, Hey, this is so-and-so's mother. I'm throwing a 16th, a sweet 16 for her. And I wanted you guys to show up in character. A few of the, the awesome eighties prom characters and like surprise her. And so we wrote back like, hey, you know, we're not allowed to do that. We can't, you know, the producers Mm. won't let us show up in character, but we're happy to make an appearance as us. That's nice. I'm changing. I'm changing the story. That's not what happened. We just said, no, we can't. And she said, would you come as yourself? It was her (laughs) idea. It was her idea. Okay. Don't take the credit. (laughs) Yeah, no, no. I do not want to take that credit. So (laughs) three of us, three of the guys... We, we show up to this thing. She was like, I'll pay you $50 an hour for three hours. You'll right. also get food. And it was like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. More than you got on As the World Turns. That's far as food. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so we show up and they sort of shuttle us to the back, to the staging area because they were do. it was like at this nice little hall. It was sort of like a, a bat mitzvah, but her sweet 16. And so she was up on stage when we got there and she was, I guess there's a tradition where you light a candle and for each candle you light, you dedicate it to someone in your life that's special to you. So like her aunt, her grandparents, her parents, blah, blah, blah. And you go one through 16. And so we're in the back and the DJ comes up and he was like, all right, so what's going to happen is she's going to light all the candles. And then the 17th candle is going to be a surprise video. And then you guys run out. And we wore, they gave us these shirts that were like, I'm like stressed about this. They made us wear these shirts that were like, sorry, ladies, but this hunk is taken by so and so. And we'll call her Samantha. Okay. Yeah. Let's call her Samantha. Perfect. And so, so we're in the back, we're wearing these t shirts. And the DJ's like, all right, so how, who are you guys? Like, well, how do I introduce you? And we were like, oh, we're uh, cast members from the awesome 80s prom off Broadway show. He's like, okay, yeah, yeah, got it, got it, got it. So he goes back to his his little booth, Yikes. and th- and they're like, "All right, so and so, seventeenth candle, we have one more surprise." And then they play a video that's like real <laughs> real celebrities wishing this young woman a happy birthday, like like One Direction and like what <laughs> the the Naked Brothers Band and like all these like heartthrobby young people that somehow this mother got to wish this young woman a a custom happy birthday. So then like they're showing this and there's like a little gauntlet where everyone's standing and the guy's like, all right, everybody put your hands together. We have one more surprise. Please give it up for the awesome boys. (laughs) (laughs) The awesome boys. The awesome boys. So not, not the cast of the awesome 80s prom. The awesome boys. The crowd goes silent. As we, <laughs> the crowd silent. we run we run down this like long gauntlet of people everyone's clap like staring at us clapping like sympathy clapping and no one knows who the fuck we are they're just like who are these people 
what is happening? And this, this, the young woman whose birthday it was, was like super embarrassed. She was just standing there. When, when you talk about height of humiliation, oh, to, be, to be introduced as the awesome boys and then emerge into silence and stand on a stage with people, like people being like, you could hear them whispering, like, who are they? Like, what? You said the crowd goes silent. Yeah, oh, they, they that was like, so good. Yeah. I'm trying. To come after like One Direction and the Naked Brothers band. Uh, I mean, like, and then the Awesome Boys coming <laughs> right awesome on boys. in, coming in hot. I will say we we stayed for another two hours. Warm two. Yeah, well, that's what we got paid for three uh, hours. Yeah. So we stayed and, and we got we got everyone on our side. By the end, got they were it. like, "Those Awesome Boys are, are pretty awesome." Are awesome. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man, that's good. My face hurts. <laughs> <laughs> that is like such a great story to end this interview with. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Okay, Jason. <laughs> Jason, tell tell everyone about the game. Since you play a recurring character in the biggest scripted fraud show right now, maybe we can play some true fraud trivia based on other shows of similar themes. If you're down oh boy, with that. I love it. I would yeah. love to. Um, we have five questions <laughs> and a bonus. So, and if you need a lifeline, we'll be your lifelines. There's no, okay. no pressure. And I sometimes okay. I cheat. So if you're really stumped, just she like give me a link. She always cheats. Yeah. I'll do the first. Go ahead, Jay. Okay, cool. There have been two mainstream documentaries about the infamous fire festival on Netflix and Hulu. True or false? That That is true. True, yes. One of the best stories in Correct. recent memory was the debacle known as Fire Festival, a music That's event right. promising supermodels and luxury that was also had a little part in Anna as well. And you know what? Say say what you will about the organizers of Fire Festival. They still provided more lunch than the producers of As the World Tells. <laughs> that little cheese sandwich. Hey, more than you got. And they didn't even get yelled at. They did not. <laughs> oh and, and, and if they're listening... I'll gladly work for you again, and thank you so much for everything. Second question. <laughs> the Academy Award-winning actress recently donned a fat suit to appear as Pam Hupp, a sociopathic Midwestern woman, woman, guys, I'm not okay, who went on a chaotic crime spree called The Thing About Pam. Yes. Who is the actress? A, Julia Roberts, B, Renee Zellweger, C, Halle Berry, D, Regina King. That would be sweet, sweet Renee. Oh, you're doing good. Sweet, two sweet for Renee. two. I only know that I haven't seen it, but I know she's getting a lot of flack for putting on a fat suit. Yeah, she is. Poor thing. Poor Renee. She can't win. Remember, <laughs> remember when she got she got her like facelift and everyone was like, Oh, you should be dead. <laughs> Throw yourself in a fire. You don't deserve to live with your face looking like this. Poor Renee. Uh, this Mean Girls alum stars as scam company Theranos founder Elizabeth Holmes in the Hulu original The Dropout. Amanda Seyfried. Yes. Double points. <laughs> like Anna Delvey, Holmes, played by Amanda Seyfried, is a charismatic and weird woman with a unique accent who could persuade greedy rich people to give their money away. It's crazy. Three for three. Next question. Three for three. In 2015. No, 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 no. That's a mistake. Oh my God. <laughs> Wait, no, we have to know. We have to know the mistake. No, wrong episode. <laughs> wrong episode. Wait, can I try it, though? Can I try it anyway? No, sure. We'll give it to you. This is from episode one with uh, Crystal Joy Brown, the Eliza in Hamilton right now. This Hello? was her question. Let's see if you can get it. <laughs> okay. In 2015, <laughs> how many performances of Hamilton 
did Lin-Manuel miss? <laughs> it's not multiple choice. You have to discuss. Zero. One. I do love Lin-Manuel. I do a yeah. Lin-Manuel impression. Can we get a little? Oh, gosh. You know, Lin is always up here. And he's always <laughs> preaching. He's like, yo, survival jobs. Get off your butt. You're looking like a slob. Everybody knows. Just ask the mob. You got to go. Just ask your mom. Because love is 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 love Yes, yes. Jason, I don't think he's going to survive the rest of this episode. That was fantastic. I have a cramp in my stomach. I'm laughing so hard. Oh, man. My face hurts. Okay. Chris. True. Back to the game. True or false. Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays Travis Kelnick, the CEO of Lyft, in the film Super Pumped. Um, I believe Travis Kelnick is the CEO of Uber. Whoa. Yes. Good good work. That was a really good trick question. Wow. Okay. All right. Bonus. Bonus time. Here we go. The Netflix documentary Operation Varsity Blues about the college admission scandal featured this Full House alum prominently who committed fraud to get her daughter into University of Southern California. (laughs) Aunt Becky. Yes. Lori Laughlin. Yes. Aunt Becky. Poor Come on, thing. Aunt Becky. I know. That was so hard. disappointed in you, girl. I know. <laughs> well, I, I want to say you got over 100%. We're not counting the Lynn question because okay. that, was that was just That's, in yeah. the wrong document. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yay. Awesome. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. I'm laughing and laughing and laughing. Today. I'm pissed because I, I have a cramp in my stomach from laughing so hard now. So yeah, there we go. Oh, you could just stretch it out, Jay. Oh, uh, yeah. Be okay. Thanks a lot, Christopher L. You're welcome. <laughs> thank you guys so much for having me. This is such a cool thing. And I, I've loved listening to it, listening oh, to Robin. Thank you for listening. Another Norwalk alum. But yeah, it's cool what you guys are doing. It, it uh, brings, I think, like being able to hear other stories and talk about it, like brings a sense of relief and... You're not alone. Uh, yeah, you're not alone in this in this pursuit of craziness that we're all chasing. So, hundred percent. Thank you. Oh well, thanks for the support. Yeah, thank you. And can you share where people can find you? And if they're not already following you on social media, yeah. <laughs> he's like, no, no. Yeah, no, of course. I don't want any he, fans. <laughs> well, it's at at the awesome boys. <laughs> we're performing at the Beacon Theater next month. Uh, Oh my uh, gosh! Um, on Instagram, I'm uh, and TikTok, I'm at C Cafero, um, ChrisCafero.com. I've got uh, all my info and stuff up there, um, and then www.UncleFunction.com for all our your Uncle Function needs. We are the second Friday of every month at Asylum Theater, um, and then we have a second show called Uncle Function Presents, where we are hosting um, other sketch teams that are having trouble finding stage time. So we're sort of trying to help rebuild the sketch comedy community in the wake of COVID. So uh, please support live comedy where you can. I love Look at that. You. I know. That's Lifting amazing. as you climb. Love that. Yes. Oh. And if you are tuning in because you are a Christopher L. Cafaro fan and you do not follow <laughs> us, check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Survival Jobs Pod, on Facebook at Survival Jobs a Podcast. Email us any guests you may want us to try to get on here. SurvivalJobsPod at gmail.com and follow my boy Jason at Jason A. Coombs. And yes. you can follow me at Sammy Toots if you want wow. to. And you should. I will. 
Thank you. <laughs> I do. I think I already do. I think you yeah. do too. Um, yeah. Thank you guys so much. This was a blast. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.